to the Homestead Connection Podcast. Today it's Kylie, Leanne, and Sarah, and we're going to talk about raising out meat birds. There's so much chatter this time of year with raising out chicken for meat, and I feel like it's becoming more and more popular, and raising chicken for meat is something that all three of us have done, and so we thought it'd be a great idea to come together and share our experiences and some tips and uh, tricks that we've learned along the way raising out our meat birds. I know we all have pretty different experiences where we live, which chickens we raise out, and our process. And so hopefully everybody will get a pretty good perspective and different ideas if you guys are also considering raising out meat birds. So how did you guys get started raising meat birds? You know, I don't, I think it just kind of (laughs) happened. As weird as that sounds, like, um, we were still living in, um, I guess kind of like a neighborhood we were like right outside the you know the neighborhood limits but um and we john just my husband just wanted to try it um so we got like mm-hmm. four or five and had you know just the tiniest little brooder box um that went inside our half and you know we moved it around our half acre lot um and it was definitely a trial and error process the butchering part didn't go very well yeah. but <laughs> You live and learn, I guess. Absolutely. How long have you been raising meat birds for, Sarah? Uh, this will be our third year, so we're we're still pretty new to it. But uh, I, it took some convincing for my husband to get on board with um, raising our own meat birds because he knew he would be the one building the chicken tractor, and so. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was 2020 is the first year we started it, and he went ahead and built a tractor, and he loves it as much as I do. So, <laughs> Nate and I were just saying earlier today, because our, our birds are going to go to be processed next week, but we were just saying the amount of work you put into raising out the meat birds for the reward you get in the in the amount of meat is so worth it. But he was super really? reluctant at first too. I don't even know if I directly asked him. We first started raising meat birds early last year. Um, so this is only our second full year doing it. But when I first wanted to raise out the birds, I had mentioned it and he's like, oh, that's a good idea. And so I took that as a yes, like that we could do it. So then I ordered, I think I ordered 35 chickens because there was something when I ordered online where the price adjusted after 35 or something. And then there was free shipping as well. And so I was like, well, we're going to start with 35. And he was like, well, now I got to, and now I have to fix like a whole chicken tractor up. And I had been doing so much research about what type of chicken and what a meat, what kind of chicken tractor. And then I was going to do like a Salatin style chicken tractor. And my husband mm. was like, I don't know about all that. He was so reluctant, but now he's, it's fine. He's like, thinks it's, thinks it's great. It's totally on board. Mm-hmm. What kind of birds do you guys raise? So we've done two different kinds. Um, we've done, you know, your typical um, Cornish cross, um, which is, you know, the fat white one. Um, and then ours, um, we tried uh, the Rainbow Rangers, um, which take a little bit longer, um, but they're more of like a, they free range better than the Cornish cross. Mm. So, um, yeah. and I, I don't know, I like them both for different reasons. Um but I think if I had to choose, I'd do the Rainbow Rangers. 
Do they taste different though? So we've only raised Cornish cross. So that's mm-hmm. all I'm familiar with is Cornish cross. So I didn't, I don't know. I didn't really notice that like too much of a difference. Um, the biggest difference I noticed, which um, I think I like better, which is why I would choose them is the Cornish cross are very food driven. Like, like you're, you know, your typical, you go to the store and you buy the chicken feed, the meat bird feed. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the rainbow Rangers, I noticed that they would go for grazing first. So like when we move their brooder and then we give them food, they go for the bugs and the grass and, you know, that stuff first before they go for their food. Interesting. Um, which, you know, I think makes for better meat, but. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, for sure. We have done what, so we only have raised Cornish cross up until this point. We, I've looked at doing some of the other kinds, but I feel like if it's broke, don't fix it right now. So that's why we've just stuck with the Cornish cross. But, um, when we move the chicken tractor, I don't ever feed them right away for that reason. I Mm. feel like it, it keeps them more active where they're like moving around more and they're walking more and they're pecking more. We've never had issues with broken legs or you know, any of those like yuck complications or whatever. And then we'll feed them later on in the day. And good, bad, or otherwise, they do, but I've never, but they don't like free range or peck around like, like our laying hens do when they're Mm -hmm. all free ranging. It's just little bits here and there. Yeah. What about you, Sarah? Um, I raise what's called a ginger broiler. Um, And my husband, he's the one who did all the research on it. And he um, found out that they were higher altitude tolerant, which where we live up in the mountains, um, you know, it'll work better for us growing those kinds of birds. Um, And they're they're really slow in growing. And so um, they take, um, they say you can butcher at 10 weeks, but we've done that and they were all pretty small birds. And so last year, I think we went 13 weeks and they were like giant birds. <laughs> so we're going to do that this year too. Um, it didn't change the quality of the yeah. meat at all, waiting an extra three weeks? Not necessarily. I do think it's, um, they're juicier this time around. Like, I don't know. Their meat is definitely, a, um, I guess, I guess, yeah, you could call it a better quality. Um, but yeah, it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> right. Any way you cut it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's the one thing that, um, for us with the Cornish cross has been so nice is because, we know that at the end of whatever it's, it takes us like 55 to 70 ish days to raise out the Cornish cross. And we know that we'll end up having a six pound bird mm-hmm. or, you know, five and a half to six and a half or seven pound bird. So it ends up being like a pretty meaty, pretty juicy bird. And that's one of my big hesitations with wanting to switch because I just, I don't know why, but I picture like a soup chicken, just like kind of like a skinny stringy, older like soup chicken when I picture raising out some of the heritage breeds not like the plump juicy delicious you know Mm -hmm. Cornish cross like we're used to and I know it's I need to get over it's like a mental block but it's it's nice to hear you guys talk about other breeds though because legitimately we're going to end up doing another batch this fall and I'm really kicking around the idea of trying something else this fall because the batch we're currently doing right now will be to sell 
but the batch that we do this fall will be for our family. Mm-hmm. So I might try it out, see how it goes. I say do it. <laughs> Probably will. <laughs> we actually, I think the last, last year we did, the first batch we did were the Cornish Cross. And then the second one was the Rainbow Rangers. And um, the second batch ended up being bigger than the Cornish Cross. And I don't really? know. Yeah. They go like a week or two longer than the Cornish Cross. They take longer, but um, so I don't know if it was the extra time or sure. maybe just, we had a lot of roosters. So those mm-hmm. tend to get bigger. Um, but yeah. They get huge. They <laughs> Is raising chicken for you guys something that supplements like the chicken you eat in your homes for an entire year? Or do you guys still buy chicken from the grocery store? I've completely stopped buying chicken from the grocery store. Same. Yeah, same. We, uh, my mother-in-law, <clears throat> she lives with us and she ended up going to Costco for a bunch of stuff and they had chicken breasts on sale, just like packages of chicken breasts that were on sale. So she got some to put in the freezer, just, you know, see something on sale, put it away and you know, get it a good price and hold on to it. My kids knew right away that it wasn't our chicken. They knew right away. They just noticed how stringy it was, how tough it was. They're like, this isn't very tasty. And the Eliza, our littlest one, she calls our chicken delicious. She goes, it's just so delicious. And she's like, this chicken is not very delicious. And so since then, we really haven't, I mean, before that, we weren't buying it regularly anyways, but since then it kind of was the validation that no we're just going to keep mm-hmm. supplementing our family with chicken you know moving yeah. forward plus i feel like it's so cost effective which is really mm-hmm. nice especially with the way prices have been increasing in the grocery stores lately surrounding meat it's insane i was looking yeah. at the price of of chicken in the grocery store recently just the other day because like i said we're gonna sell this batch of chicken and i'm really comparing what we would like to sell per pound in comparison to what the store is selling their chicken for per pound right now and our chicken is going to end up being cheaper to sell than Mm -hmm. what people can buy in our local grocery stores right now which is remarkable like it's absolutely insane what some of the prices are yeah, especially given how just how much better homegrown fresh chicken is. Like oh, yeah. growing up, my parents would always, you know, they'd get on the latest diet kick and it would always just be grilled chicken <laughs> and rice and a veggie. Yeah. And I wrote off chicken for the longest time because it's always so dry. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't want to do chickens because I don't eat chicken. And yeah. then I had one of our chickens. I'm like, oh. This is what chicken's supposed to taste like. (laughs) Absolutely. What would you guys say is the most challenging part about raising chickens so far? Like in your guys' experience, we're all kind of newish within a handful of years of raising meat birds, which is great and fine. And one of, I think that that's a really good point actually is you don't have to have a ton of experience or whatever to raise out meat birds. It's so, in my opinion, it's so simple and you can just like jump in and do it. And it makes a huge difference. But what do you guys think is the most challenging part so far about raising meat birds? Moving the chicken tractor through the mountains. <laughs> oh, girl. It's so rocky and so hilly and my chicken tractor ends up on a slope and I'm just like, oh, this is ridiculous. (laughs) Do you guys end up having to fill in holes then? So when it's not, when the bottom of the, of the chicken tractor is not flush with the ground, do you end up having to like fill in little dips and holes so they Um, don't get out? 
So our chicken tractor is built so like the back part of it has wheels and the front doesn't. And so I can actually take off the back wheels and it brings it down a little bit further to the ground. And we also have a an electric wire that goes around the entire thing that I hook up to a solar bank. And that's how I keep the small animals out. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Yeah. So nice. Moving ours is fine. Um, And I want to get into like what our setups are here soon, like what our chicken tractor setups are and kind of our whole like system is for raising stuff out and talk about that in a little bit more detail. Um, But we've had some issues with um, having to fill in like little divots on the bottom of our chicken tractor, especially like in the first few weeks when they're still kind of small. What's a challenging, what's your challenging or what's one of the most challenging parts for you, Leanne? I guess it would have to be the mistakes you make you know we all make them they're bound to happen especially since we're just starting out but um like the first time we ever did the chickens um we let them go too long or no we didn't let them go too long okay the first time we did the meat chickens um we didn't realize that if you give them food they'll literally just eat it and we overfed Mm. them so they got way too big to the point where they couldn't support their own weight. And then it was just like, well, now we have, you know, you're not even, I don't know. It felt, I felt really bad (laughs) for overfeeding them to the point where they were basically just like lumps. Um, But, you know, and then second time um, we're, we were in the process of trying to figure out our tractor and how best to move it because it's a little heavy and we ended up crushing one. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know, you know, it's just the dumb mistakes you make that, you know, you end up learning a really good lesson from that you never make again. But yeah, it's just the really hard mistakes. <laughs> I did that too, where I ran over a chicken with the tractor. It's terrible. It was so bad. Actually, John did it once and then I did it once. I'm like, oh my Ooh. gosh. Helen was like, just turned four and he saw John crush it and he was like, Daddy, what did you do? And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so sad. It was, it was bad. He comes running inside crying, Mommy, Daddy crushed a chicken. I'm like, oh, oh boy. Oh, poor guy. I know. You know, and I feel like making mistakes is so common and Leading up to us starting Raising Out Meat Birds last year, I was incessantly watching YouTube videos. I'm so thankful for the resources on YouTube, truly. But I kept seeing all of these really polished setups of people who'd been raising chickens for a really long time. They had their system down. They had their tractor down. They had their feeding routine down. They knew how how many bags of feed they were going to be going through. All of these things, which now that we're like in our full second year of doing it I can understand like because I feel like I'm starting to get to that point but I wish that there had been an like a show on YouTube or a you know like a video on YouTube that I watched that talked about all of the mistakes people made leading up to it because Mm -hmm. when I actually talk to people like us or like other people who do raise chicken for their families or on a small small you know homesteading backyard style scale mistakes like of random chicken dying here and there happen all the time. And even just with this batch that we're raising right now, we did, I didn't think that the chickens were going to be able to flutter up and fly anymore because they're just big enough now 
where, oh, they're going to be too heavy. They're not going to be able to like flutter around anymore. Well, one ended up fluttering into the five gallon bucket of water and it drowned. And it was, I felt so terrible because it's one thing if a predator gets one, there's sometimes there's just little things that you just cannot help. Like it's just in the nature of raising out meat birds. It can't be avoided. But that was one of those things where I was like, that could have been avoided. And Mm -hmm. That's the kind of stuff I hate so much. Yeah, those always sting worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they do sting worse. But it also happens all the time. Last year, with our very, very first batch last year, uh, we started with 35, like I said, because it was just uh, made more sense, like from a financial perspective to purchase 35. And we ended up processing 28 meat birds. And Mm -hmm. we lost those, whatever it was, seven to predators because we were really working out kinks in our chicken tractor like early on thinking oh we could use this type of metal or this type of netting or you know we don't need to have a hot wire and then ended up losing a bunch to raccoons and fox which was very disappointing do you guys want to talk about your chicken tractor setups sure um so uh, when we were thinking about um, doing meat birds, my husband, he's a major researcher. I am not. And so he did all the research on that. And we actually, he bought um, a plan. Um, I don't remember how to pronounce his last name, but John Susevich, Suskovich, something oh, like Suskovich, that. Yeah. John yeah. Sus- I love his stuff so yes, much. So do we. Um, but that's that's the chicken tractor we built is uh, his plan. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we did. Did you know, so I have watched so many of John Suskovich's videos and I'll link his information in the description, like section of the podcast in case there's people who are interested because he has a ton of really amazing YouTube videos. Um, but, uh, he talks about how his style of chicken tractor can double up in the off season as a greenhouse. And that was one of the huge reasons why I was drawn to that style. And I'll talk to, I can talk to you guys about my setup here when you guys are done, because originally I wanted, yeah, I loved like the John Suskovich style. And it was one of the ones that I really considered because of that, where he talks about, you know, tarp it in the off season, it makes a great greenhouse. So I can see Sarah's face. It's like a whole level of inspiration. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm thinking now. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's got some really good stuff. I wonder if that's the one that John used then, because I he the guy's John's on YouTube all the time, so he's like, oh, I saw this YouTube video, and I think I want to try and remake ours, mm. and it looks like a greenhouse. So I'm assuming that's probably what he used. Well, initially, I wanted to do the Suskovich style tractor for that reason, but then ultimately ended up thinking that we would build that salatin style one that's like you know really low to the ground it's like short with the lid that lifts up only because for our first batch of chickens i didn't know if it was going to make sense to spend the time and money to make that salatin style tractor because it's a lot more involved or to make the suskovich style tractor because it's a lot more involved than the smaller salatin one um it just seemed like it made more sense. So when I brought my husband the plans to build the Salatin style tractor, we had, he came back to me and he's like, I don't think that we should build a tractor at all. 
And I was like, what in the world do you even mean? Well, we have an old um, trampoline that was here at our house when we bought it from like the previous owners. And we actually had just like, we have a section, this is really redneck, I'm so sorry, but we have a section of the woods on our property where we just kind of take stuff that we don't really know what to do with. And then just kind of lives over there. (laughs) And so this trampoline had been pulled over to the section of the woods and it was just kind of living over there. And it had been there for years. And so Nate took our tractor and like pulled it out of the woods. And he's like, I think we should enclose this to be our chicken tractor. And I didn't love it at first. And that's what we're still using right now. It's so redneck, but honestly, it works really well. And it's such a good size. So he didn't end up really building me much of anything. We just put hardware cloth around the entire chicken tractor and then poultry netting over the top and it along with the tarp and stuff. And it has actually worked better than I'm willing to admit. And my husband doesn't listen to all of the podcasts, so I can say that, but it really does work better than I would have been willing to bet at first. So I bet it's lighter too. Yeah. And like, that's the issue with ours is it's so heavy. Yeah good friends of mine who also raise uh, raise out chicken built a similar style to the um, Suskovich tractor and that's their biggest remark is how heavy it is you, that you just have to have wheels on it almost because otherwise it's a two-person operation to try to move around yeah so, I would recommend trying the trampoline though if you can I know sometimes on Facebook marketplace and other other places people are you know trying to get rid of them And Mm -hmm. ours is a 14 foot in diameter. So it's pretty decent. We have 38 out there right now and we could easily fit another, I don't know, seven or eight, I'd say in that, which is nice. When do you guys move your meat birds out? Uh, Do you guys start them in a brooder or do you guys start them outside right away? So it depends on when we get them. Um, here recently, we've just been starting them outside. Um, we'll still like, you know, put an extension cord out with a, with a heat lamp, at least for the first couple of weeks. Um, like we, so we actually just got meat birds yesterday and they're already outside on grass. Um, they're in a brooder. Um, but the brooder has a little hook, so it's got a heat lamp on it still. I guess right now they're in it because our chicken tractor is taken up by our meat chickens <laughs> that are going to be processed in a few days but um we'll keep them in the brooder for a few weeks and then we'll move them to the tractor when they get a little bigger sure. what do you do sarah um i've done it different like every single year um let's see i think the second year i put them directly outside as soon as we got them with um we didn't have a a heat lamp but we had one of those heat plates and Mm -hmm. we put them underneath that and into the chicken tractor right away and we only lost like three that year um so that was really good but this year our chicken tractor had our egg layer chicks in there that we were trying to grow out and put in the big coop and Mm -hmm. so i actually raised uh, let's see. I think it to to start out with it was thirty two meat birds, and they were all inside in a tiny little brooder for a few days, <laughs> and then they I put them on the front porch, and they were in a brooder on the front porch until I could move them into the chicken tractor. But we lost seven this year. I have no idea why. <laughs> oh no! So, we only That's have twenty five left. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what I do differently. <laughs> Yeah. Last year we, we raised a couple of batches last year and we did where, um, 
the first batch I started them in a brooder only for like two weeks because it was warm enough that I didn't feel like I needed to keep them under the heat anymore. It was, I think that we got them, moved them out. It was like the beginning of July. Got them in the middle of June and I think I moved them outside the beginning of July. <clears throat> and it was just warm enough during the day and still at nighttime that I felt like they'd be fine and they were fine. But now this year we had so much rain and just like tentative weather this spring that I ended up keeping our meat birds inside. And my husband has since last year built me a very large brood box. And so I left the chickens inside for like three and a half weeks this year, which is the longest I've ever let them inside. But I was really nervous that they'd have some kind of shock going from like being inside where it was temperature controlled to being outside where the temperature was like warm during the day, but low lows. And then we were still getting a bunch of rain even in like June and stuff. So I waited and I'm glad I waited. I think it was the best. I, we've only had, we've only lost two this batch. And one was the very first day that we picked them up, which is not that uncommon. And then that other one yeah. that drowned. So I feel like keeping them inside was good, but they're a lot of work to keep inside. They're just so messy. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's one thing I underestimated was how messy they actually are. Just how much food, how much water they need, and then um, just like how much they the poop everywhere. Poop. So much. <laughs> so much. So much. Right. Well, while we're on the topic of like our setups for our meat bird setups, what do you guys do for food and water? There's a, like a lot of different people do different things in terms of like feeding and watering their chickens. And the, you know, we just said they, they eat so much and they drink so much, but I'm curious to see what you guys do just because I think we all probably do it a little differently. Yeah. Um, we just use the typical, like, you know, the water and the food thing that you get from your farm store. Um, ours has like, you know, the industrial sized ones that are huge. So they, and we only do, you know, enough for our family at a time. So, um, we don't need that much. And then as for like food, we, <clears throat> so I just give them some in the morning, um, and when they eat it, it's gone. They can, you know, not free range, but in their tractor. And then, um, yeah. we give them a little bit more at night. That's what we do too. In terms of like, we feed in the morning and then we'll, I usually give them a bunch of food in the morning and I'll kind of see how fast they go through that. And then in the evening, mm -hmm. sometimes I'll top them off. We try to do like a 12 on 12 off schedule with supplying food yeah. where it's like, I wouldn't say they have food available to them all the time for 12 hours, but we try to make sure that they have food available to them for the, like the whole first part of the day, like the whole like daytime, I guess. And yeah. then we don't give them any more in the evenings. Them. And, um, I would say for our family, we start doing that around four weeks for the first three or four weeks. We've let our chickens have food available to them 24 seven. And then starting when they're about four ish weeks, that's when we start that like loose 12 on 12 off where we have, we make sure that they have food available. And then for like watering them, we were also just doing actually last year, cause I didn't want to spend a bunch of money to get started in raising meat birds last year. So I used what we had, which was the one gallon watering 
bucket, like buckets, you know, that you have. And we were filling up their water three and four times a day. I had four of them in there and we were filling it up three or four times a day, but I didn't want to spend so much money. Otherwise it wasn't going to make sense financially for us to raise out the chickens. And since my husband was so on the fence at first, I felt like I had to prove to him that it made financial sense to do this, which meant I put in the extra legwork, which was fine. And it totally worked. It just was a lot of work. Um, and then this year we have two five gallon buckets with a little drinker cup screwed into the bottom. There's four drinker mm-hmm. cups screwed into each of the bottom, each of the five gallon bucket bottoms. And that's been so much better than hauling those gallon watering, I don't know, drinks, drinker things back and forth yeah. three and four times a day. Um, our setup is is pretty similar too for feeding and watering. Um, we have like a, uh, a rubber tub that we fill up with water and I can nearly get a five gallon bucket full of water into it. And, um, and then I water them again when I feed at night. So I, I feed a little bit in the morning too, and feed a little bit in the evening as well and make sure they have water. That's cool. One of those things I saw recently, I feel like, um, for people who haven't built chicken tractors and fed out meat birds before, one of the common feeding systems is to make like that PVC pipe, like a large PVC pipe with ends on the PVC pipe and it's cut open mm-hmm. so the feed can go in the middle like a trough. And I really thought about doing something like that this year, but PV the price of PVC has gone way, way, way up. So instead, my husband bought a piece of gutter, like vinyl gutter, Oh my word. It was six bucks for a 12 foot piece of gutter (laughs) and it's huge. And they still make end caps on it. Like you can get end caps for the PVC pipe. And we ended up making the food trough for like a food trough this year for our chicken tractor for like $11 and change. And the, to do a PVC pipe version of it, it was going to be almost $50. So It was insane. Yeah. I was like, it was awesome. I wish I'd taken pictures of it to be able, I mean, I can take pictures of it done, but I wish that Nate had taken pictures of the building process of mm-hmm. it because it makes so much financial sense to do that option. Um, I'm always like genuinely really proud of him. He's like, what about gutter? I was like, that's such a good idea. <laughs> so anyways, my chickens eat out of the gutter now. <laughs> <laughs> when you put it like that. No. <laughs> I know, I know, right? <laughs> but even so. That's funny. Um, Okay, so we were talking about how each of us um, don't buy chicken from the store anymore. Um, How about we talk about exactly how many birds it takes to feed our families um, for, I mean, I guess an entire year since we don't buy chicken. Uh, Last year, yeah, we started with 35 and we ended with 28 and we have five birds out there right now. So we had our last... Yeah, we had, we kept, so yeah, we, we did two batches last year, but we kept the, that batch of 28 for ourselves and we ended up raising out the other batch for friends and family. Um, and just like as gifts and stuff, which was fun, but, um, we kept 28 for ourselves and those birds were processed the third week in September. So from the third week of September to now the middle of July, middle end of July, um, we've had 23 birds so far. So I would say that those 28 birds would have lasted us that whole year and maybe one or two extra. 
Um, for the last three years, we've raised about 25 meat birds. And um, that is actually from, I think, let's see, May and April to the next May and April. It's enough for our family of four. And we, we tend to like to pull out a chicken for visitors. Be like, hey, we raised this chicken. How about you try it? Do the same. <laughs> so, yeah. Yes. I, we've done the exact same thing where we'll do small group for our church sometimes here at the house. And so there's been a couple of times that we've done small group for our church that my husband will put a couple chickens on the smoker for, you know, like to feed everybody because it's fun and it's easy and it's delicious and stuff. And so for our family, because we're also a family of four, um, well, five, my mother-in-law lives with us too. Um, so there's five of us, but I would say like 24 to 25 would probably be adequate for us for a year as well. Um, which really puts things into perspective, honestly. Leanne, how, how many do you guys eat in a year? Um, so about the same. Um, we, we're a family of four right now as well. Um, and last year, well, I guess last year we were a family of three um, that were eating <laughs> um, since my son was a newborn. So um we did two batches of 15. So we had 30, well, give or take, because, you know, you always lose a few. So yeah. um, give or take, we had about 30 birds um, that were in our freezer, but same thing. We give some away, um, you know, if our in-laws come and take the kid for a night, we're like, here, <laughs> have payment as chicken. Here you go. <laughs> Um, so yeah, about the same 25 to 30. And we actually still have two in the freezer right now from last year. Um, and we are, we just got our other round yesterday. So it really is such a sustainable way of providing meat for your family, because when you're talking about having to raise out, say 25 chickens for a round number, cause that's kind of the vicinity where we've all landed for our families, and it takes anywhere from seven to 13 weeks to raise these chickens out. The timeline of commitment to provide our families with chicken for an entire year, that's really remarkable. Very, very cool. Yeah. I want to talk about the cost a little bit. Just it, obviously it's sustainable and it's easy to do in a short amount of time and we, we like doing it. But it's very easily poo-pooed that, oh, it's a great idea, but it doesn't make sense financially to, you know, raise your own chicken. You have to buy the birds. You have to make the chicken tractor. You have to buy all the food. And for our family, it also makes a lot of financial sense to raise out the birds um, and to feed ourselves versus buying from the grocery store. So I'd love to talk a little bit about the financial component too, because I think that that's one of the biggest mental blocks for people that prevent them from getting started raising chickens. So we don't really keep track financially. Um, I mean, besides, I just know that we have money <laughs> in the bank, um, since we're not buying our own chicken. Um, so that's all you guys. So uh, I figured it out that um, uh, I think it cost um, 117 bucks to buy um, 30 birds. Of course, seven of them died, but um, we I have been figuring it out that it takes one bag of feed um, and it lasts a week 
or more. And that costs about 240 bucks for 13 weeks. And when I calculated it all up, it only comes out to, it comes out to less than 15 bucks for a chicken, for one chicken. And so where that's way more expensive in the store, I figured that was pretty cost effective for us. Oh yeah. And then how big do your birds end up being? Like how many pounds around? Um, I would say seven to eight these last year's birds were since we raised them a few weeks longer. See, so that's seven to eight, ten pounds, something like that. So you're so you're averaging somewhere like right around two ish dollars a pound then for your homegrown raised chicken. Which is yeah, remarkable. Pretty excellent. Remarkable. <laughs> Absolutely. And um so Amazing. I yeah. kept track of so yeah, we did two batches last year. I kept I didn't keep track of our first batch. I kept track of our second batch though to see how, what that ended all what it what that all ended up averaging out cost wise. And we were uh, just under $3 a pound for those ones, but I included some of the supplies that we needed to modify the chicken tractor, like getting more hardware cloth and getting more feeders and stuff like that. So this year, without factoring in the cost for any of our chicken tractor, you know, we, we didn't have to buy anything this year, I guess is what I'm saying really, besides that $11 for the new feeder that Nate made out of the gutter. And we're going to be at $1 and 86 cents a pound to raise out our Cornish cross, which is in my opinion, just really good. The big kicker for awesome. us. And I feel like one of my biggest tips is to call around to mm -hmm. see if there, or to look online to see if there's a local hatchery where you can pick up the meat birds. Because last year I ended up purchasing our chickens from Meyer hatchery, which mm -hmm. I had a great experience with my Meyer hatchery birds. Like I recommend like my, I've had a really good experience. That's where we them. go. But this year I mm -hmm. found there's a hatchery that's 45 minutes away from us. And so I'm able to get straight run Cornish cross for $1.90 per chick. So that shaved off easily like like a dollar off the cost of, you know, each bird, $1.50 off the cost of raising each bird. And then we're averaging right around mm, 12 bags. I think we'll end up going through 12 bags um, for this current batch and our, the bags of food that we get, which are from a grain milk host, us are $18 and 90 something cents for a 50 pound bag. So, but it goes to show, I think you have, you know, there's the sweat equity into raising your own chicken, of course, but it's for a finite amount of time, eight to 13 weeks. Mm -hmm. And then you're getting like the best quality chicken for $2 yeah. a pound. And I think it's important to note too that so because um, it goes into, you know, your costing of the bird, but Kylie, you take yours to butcher. So that's an added expense on your end that you have to factor yep. in. But Sarah, I believe we, you and I, we butcher ours ourselves. Yep. So, I mean, it's more time on our part to, you know, sit there and butcher them all, but you still have to buy all the stuff to do it at home or you have to pay the butcher to do it mm -hmm. for you. So even with that added cost into it, it's still more cost effective to raise your own. Yeah, Definitely. and to be completely transparent, so just in terms of cost-wise, because I know that that is like a very driving factor for people, where we go about an hour and 40 minutes north of where we live to have our chickens processed at a USDA certified processing center. By doing that, it means that we can legally resell our chickens in Illinois, which is something that we're doing this year and are interested in scaling over the next couple of years. And 
it is an added cost, but it's significantly less than I think what a lot of people think it would cost. So it ends up being um, an average of $3.90 per bird to have them processed at this USDA processing facility. And he organically processes them as well, which the long and the short of it pretty much just means that he's not cleaning the chicken with bleach or chlorine, which that's that happens. If you didn't know, the chicken you get from the grocery yeah. store is coated in chlorine yep. when you buy it. Uh, and yep. just been bathing and soaking in that bleach water. So the long and the short of it with, I mean, I'm sure there's more too, but this USDA processing center we go to also processes them organically, which is important to us. And it ends up being $3.90 mm-hmm. on average to have the birds processed there. It's a little bit cheaper if you leave them a whole bird and it's a little bit more expensive than the 390 to have them pieced out. But I find that we like to have our chickens about half and half. So half of them left just whole rotisserie chickens and then the other half pieced out into like, you know, breasts, thighs, legs, wings. We also get to keep, you know, the necks and the chicken feet and the, you know, the hearts and the liver and all that. They bag all that stuff up separately, which is really nice, but it's, it'll be $156 for us to have our 38. It'll be a little bit less than 156 because that was for the 40 we started with, but either way, about $150 to have uh, 38 birds Mm -hmm. completely, you know, processed. Yeah. Which really, really is not bad at all. Mm-mm. it's worth it to us and they're mm-hmm. super nice the guy and his mm-hmm. wife who own and run the the um sent the processing center the butcher center are just super nice very like blue collar down to earth the exact kind of people you'd love to support with your money yeah. you know yeah so um sarah so obviously we don't have to go into the process that we do you know butcher wise but um do you kind of want to talk about how you guys, you know, set up for it, um, you know, kind of all that stuff? Sure. So um, my husband and I, um, I always joke with him because we we make a really good team when we are butchering chickens because he takes care of killing the bird and gutting the bird. And I take care of plucking because I don't want to kill or mm-hmm. take out the guts, but I don't mind plucking. <laughs> And so that's how we do that. (laughs) And uh, we have a couple of tables and a hose hooked up with a sprayer so we can spray them off clean and bag them up. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty much the same at our house. Um, I remember when John first came to me wanting to do the meat the meat chickens, I was like, as long as I don't have to kill them, like, I don't think I have it in me to kill them. And I, I, I still have not. Uh, it's our fourth or fifth time doing meat chickens and I still have not done the actual killing. Um, (laughs) but I don't know. It's just something like, you know, this animal is meat. Like it, it is, its purpose is to give you and your family food. So like, it's, I don't know, for some reason, I guess it's kind of different. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, he does all the killing. I'll, um, you know, I'll, defeather them and you know he has taught me how to disassemble one i've done that part Hmm. but (laughs) um do you guys have like the pluckers like you know you see where you like Mm -hmm. put it in with like the rubber fingers and it like spins it around and we yeah we got one the first year that we did meat chickens we got one but it never worked and um they told us that it was probably a part 
missing. So it was missing a part when we got it, but that I, it was like right when 2020 hit and, you know, it would have taken us forever to get the part. So, um, we sent it back, got the money back. Cause those things are like $400. Yes. They're so expensive. So yeah. So was- we have, John found one, sorry, <laughs> John found like, it's like an attachment that goes on your power drill. It's an attachment that has like those little rub- rubber fingers on it. And you basically just run your drill up and down the chicken and it pulls the feathers right out. Nice. So much faster. So when we, for our very first batch, you know, I was trying to convince my husband that raising meat birds was a good idea. And he was my husband is not a squeamish person, but he was really just turned off about the idea of having to clean the birds. Just that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's it is. a big mess. And so mm-hmm. I did the legwork to find this processing center that we use and talked to him about pricing, looked at the pricing sheet, like did all the legwork and figured at the time for the amount of chickens that we had, it was going to be $120. So, you know, for $120, our first batch, if we never do it again, it was still a great experience. And, you know, we can, you know, whatever. Because when I started to look at the cost of the equipment, it ends up being so much money. Because I think at one point when I'd added everything up, it was going to be a really quick $800 or something like that to kind of get all the cones and the knives and the plucker and, um, you know, a larger pot to do some scalding of the chickens and stuff. And so that's how we initially got onto this butcher where I was like, okay, $120. That's really easy to quote unquote stomach for this first round versus investing almost, you know, a thousand dollars or whatever into the supplies to do it ourselves and then my husband and i said you know well, down the road we can get the supplies if we feel like this is what we want to do but now mm-hmm. it's for us it's just been a no-brainer to want to stick with the the butcher yeah. so yeah they're few and far between though in the state of illinois there's only two usda certified butchers like chicken processors yeah i think that's how it is in ohio too but my husband seems to have it in his head that in ohio for chicken, it's less regulated than like say pork. And it we don't is. need to go through a USD. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't sell it. So I haven't looked into the laws or anything. Mm-hmm. We just use it for ourselves. But um, there's mm-hmm. definitely a cheaper way to butcher <laughs> at home. Absolutely. <laughs> we don't have that kind of money on hand either. <laughs> no, honestly. I would love to talk about our families and our kids and how they view raising chicken at home knowing that we're going to eat it because you said it leanne it's just different looking at these birds knowing that they're going to go in your freezer i look at our meat birds so differently than i look at our laying hens you know our laying hens they're not necessarily pets not like our dogs or whatever but they still you grow an attachment to them you know the laying hens and stuff and I've had a number of people ask how our kids handle it, knowing that they're taking care of these animals only to know that they're going to be killed. Um, And I would just really be interested to talk about that a little bit and what your guys' families think and your kids think and stuff, especially our kids are all kind of different ages too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my oldest is uh, about to be five. Um, And I guess the chickens are a little different because this will be the first round where he's kind of like old enough to remember. Um, so, but we did just have a pig that we, I mean, he fed that thing every day. 
Yes, Hector. He even named it. <laughs> um, and when we dropped Hector off at the butcher, he was like, he was like, um, you know, I turned around and I was like, bud, like, do you know why we're here? And kind of explained it to him. And I, he already knew that Hector was our meat and he was going to be, you know, he's going to fill our freezer to feed us. And, you know, I was like, well, I was like, buddy, let's pray. You know, we raised this animal and this animal is going to go in our freezer and he's going to feed us. So let's pray that he, you know, ends his life and, you know, just thank him and, you know, all these things. And I guess, I don't know when you're raised that way, it's just kind of different. I don't know. Mm -hmm. He just knows. That's what, that's what it was like for our girls. When we got our very, very first batch of meat birds, I'd prepped the girls knowing that we were getting these tiniest, cutest, fluffiest yellow chicks, that they weren't going to give us eggs, mm -hmm. that they were going to become meat. And just talking through the entire process of, you know, when we eat chicken breasts and chicken legs and daddy makes chicken on the smoker, or mommy makes baked chicken. This is how it starts. Isn't that crazy? And talking to them about how mm -hmm. this is how it starts, no matter if it's in our yard or somewhere else. And that's what these chickens are going to turn into is meat and developing that whole mentality around what they're meant for, not eggs, but the chicken. It really didn't yeah. phase the kids. It really didn't phase the kids. I think Nora, our oldest, she's eight now. She was seven, of course, last year. She was kind of sad knowing that they were gonna like die, but it didn't, she was like sad briefly. It didn't have any great impact yeah. and it didn't affect the way she wanted to eat the chicken or wanting to raise them again. And our kids are quite excited about like this year when we got our first batch, they were really excited. We're doing meat birds again. And they're so involved in taking mm -hmm. care of them which I really love. Yeah. Well, and I think it's different too. Like the chickens, they are bred specifically to get fat. And then, mm -hmm. you know, like they don't have a long lifespan anyways. Mm -hmm. So at a certain point you're doing them a disservice if you keep them, you know, like right. that's what they're meant for. So exactly. Exactly. And that's absolutely how we framed it with the kids too. It's been really fun to have them take on some of the responsibilities of feeding the meat birds, just like with Jack, you know, feeding Hector your pig and stuff and taking on some of those responsibilities of taking care of, you know, the animal and how they're helping. Yeah. I tell my girls, you're helping our family. Like you're working to serve our family yep. because the work that we're doing right now is going to serve our family for a whole year mm -hmm. with meat in our freezer. Yep. And, you know, these chores that you're doing are blessing our family and it's so wonderful and whatever. So, yeah, you got to hype them up. Hype them up <laughs> is them right. Up. Well, and give them that responsibility, you know, like the responsibility of like you're helping to feed our family right now. I think kids yeah. love to feel like they're important, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And Sarah, your, your boys are older, right? Yes. Um, I have a 16 year old and a 13 year old. Um, and so, um, but my husband, he is a big time hunter. And so they have always been around when he is processing deer and turkeys that he has shot and things like that. So when I got meat birds, they were totally fine with it. Mm -hmm. And we've always, just like Kylie said, and Leanne, um, we have had them a part of the process the entire time, all their life. So they never yeah. blink an eye. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Even, um, even the butchering process, like how, how old were they when they saw you do that process? Oh gosh, little, little, like, 
um, I mean, we would bring um, the deer inside and process mm-hmm. it when they were like two and three. And yeah. I mean, younger, I mean, one, they've been around it their entire sure. lives. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot easier to, you know, think about meat chickens when you've been raised that way. Yeah. Do they help with the butchering process right now? Because, you know, I'm sure, or do they not? They don't. Um Mostly because I'm kind of, I'm one of those persons who just wants to do it myself because I know I'm going to, you know, Mm -hmm. do it this way and this way and this Mm -hmm. way. And so to have them in it, um, it would be fine. But my husband and I are such a well-oiled machine. We kind of just, we do it, we're out there and we're done, you know. But um, my husband always said, if we get a plucker and there's like many other different you know, stations going on that we will have them help and they're willing. Sure. hundred percent. That's so cool. That's so cool. Cause okay. So you guys have also raised turkeys. Is it any different than raising meat birds? It really isn't. They're just giant. (laughs) Um, And so it takes a lot longer to do the processing (laughs) because first you have to catch them and a Tom Turkey has really long uh claws or whatever and they can they can hurt when they get you and so that is a lot harder but we've done it for years and years um i don't know if we're gonna do it this year since we lost our only baby turkey i feel so bad raising baby turkeys i really (laughs) raising baby turkeys is a lot different than raising chickens chickens honestly are smarter baby turkeys are so stupid (laughs) are oh my gosh they are so sarah if i ever try turkeys again (laughs) then i'm gonna come to you because they're so dumb i wasn't i wasn't prepared for that yeah (laughs) we lost we lost half of our turkeys in the first 24 hours because they like i you know with with little baby chicks you you show them the food in the water one Mm -hmm. time yes and they get it with turkeys you have to show them like every hour what? <laughs> for them to get it. Yes. yes. Oh my goodness. I had no idea. And I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. So we lost like half of our turkeys in the first 24 hours because they basically just dehydrated to death. I'm like, yes. Oh no. It's ridiculous. They are so stupid. Yeah. We, uh, after bad. we lost this one baby turkey, um, we did some research and you're supposed to raise baby turkeys with baby chickens. So they say, mm. see the chickens going over the food and water and be like, okay, that's where I get my stuff. Sure. And then they won't accidentally drown in their water. <laughs> that makes total sense. The local hatchery that we got our, our meat birds from this year, they also have two different types of turkey, a commercial breed and then a heritage breed. And on a whim, I almost got a couple of turkeys, but I decided just to wait and I'll do it next year. But I'd love to raise a, like a handful, you know, five or six turkey just for our own freezer or whatever, mm-hmm. or to give to my sister or my dad or whoever. But um. I haven't looked too much into it, but I figured, you know, pul- is poultry poultry? I don't know. Maybe it isn't that big, that much different. See, that's, yeah, <laughs> that was our mentality. I'm like, oh, it can't be, can't be too different than chicken, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> too funny. I could talk about raising meat birds for a long time. And um, I think that it would be fun to do a part two where we talk about the butchering process in more detail. One for my benefit, because I'd love to have a greater understanding of how to do it. But I think that there's a lot of people who would love to learn how to the process of butchering their own chickens and stuff. So I can definitely see a, a part two meat bird podcast in the future. 
But I'd love to leave off um, and close down with giving some advice or encouragement for people who are maybe thinking about raising meat birds for the first time. I'll, I can start. So I would say for me, like one of the biggest tips or things of advice that I would get give, and it's going to be really ridiculous. And maybe it's our, all of ours advice. I'm not sure, but it would be just to do it. Like it's so much easier than what you think it's going to be. It's just so much easier than what you think it's going to end up being. If you've raised laying hens, if you are even familiar a little bit with chickens, raising them to serve your family for meat is a lot easier than you think it'll end up being. And it's worth just doing it. Start with eight, start with 10, start with 12. But honestly, there's really not much difference between raising raising 10 or 35 in my opinion. And I say, just go for it. You're going to be so shocked at the amount of time that it takes for the reward that you reap down the road yep. in your freezer. That was going to be mine too. So, <laughs> um, yeah, just go for it. Yep. Um, <laughs> you know, it makes sense not only because of all the things we're seeing, like, you know, prices in the grocery stores and now they've, you know, let's not even talk about the chicken grown in a Petri dish, like oh yeah, growing chickens in your backyard for your own family. You know where it comes from, you Mm -hmm. know what's in it, you know what they got fed. It's just the benefit and is so much better and it's cost effective. Um, It's not hard Mm -hmm. at all. Um, So yeah, just go for it. I like that you brought up and not to get on a side tangent, but I'm so glad you brought up the lab grown meat because it's going to become more and more prevalent in our society. And I think the drive to know exactly where our food has come from is going to get stronger and stronger and doing these simple things like raising, you know, 20 chickens in your backyard to serve your family for an entire year is going to become more and more mainstream. I hope. Yeah. Do you have any advice, Sarah? Or words of encouragement? No, no different than what you guys said. It's super easy, cost effective, and just do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you have any unanswered questions, I do have a blog post as well um, that will go a little bit more in depth. Um, I will not be covering the butchering process. Um, like Kylie said, I think we'll probably save that for another um another blog post, another podcast episode, but, um, I will have pictures of our setup, all the, I'll have links to, um, the cost effective things that we've used in the process. Um, we'll have, it'll all be in that blog post. Yeah, definitely go. If you haven't been over to the homesteadconnection.com, you should check out the website. There's a lot of stuff over there these days that it's definitely worth checking out. And Leanne's blog post will be really good too. Well, I hope you guys have a good day. Thanks for talking about meat birds. I think that this was a lot of fun. Yes, it was a lot of fun. One of my favorite topics. I love talking about all these things. (laughs) So do I. (laughs) 